we have to talk about the cautionary tale that is Andrew Cuomo. Welcome. I'm your host. I'm Mike Gaston. This is episode number 85. It's March 14th, 2021, a fine Sunday afternoon. And I'm sure all of you are aware, Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York State, on the ropes, on the ropes, just taking shot after shot after shot. This guy, he's tucked in, he's got his gloves up, and he's just taking the shots. And they keep coming. Every time you think that's the last punch, there's another one coming. Right now, this guy, I think he's got like seven female accusers. One, I mean, most of them are like sexual harassment. One of them accusing him of sexual abuse. Yeah. Summoning her to his governor's mansion or his home, whatever, for some help with his cell phone. (laughs) Tell me that's not a boomer, boomer move. Oh, yeah, I got some trouble with my cell phone. Can you come over? It's 2 a.m. I don't know what time it was. She comes over and and supposedly he groped her. Now look, these are all allegations, not proven. Seven women so far, but on top of that, the really bigger scandal, and, and ladies, forgive me. I know, me too. But the bigger scandal being that Andrew Cuomo, personally responsible for 15,000 plus seniors, elderly people dying of COVID in this state. Uh, basically, he put an edict out there that if a nursing home gets an, uh, a resident that wants to come live there that's coming from the hospital and has COVID, somebody has COVID, the nursing home has to accept that person. They have to let them in. Well, you know, and I know that COVID, uh, probably the most deadly, the older you get, you look at people in a nursing home, they're elderly. And we're talking about people anywhere from their 70s up into their 90s with comorbidities, meaning they've got other issues, pulmonary issues, respiratory issues, cancer, and so on. These are people at the end of their life just trying to put one foot figuratively in front of the other often. And these nursing homes are providing them a service. They're, they're, they're caring for them, meeting their, their medical needs, meeting their social needs, trying to love these people, help these people, and make their life as comfortable and as fulfilling as possible. And the governor, in his kind of dictatorial mode that he loves to work in, uh, dictated to these nursing homes, I don't care. If somebody knocks on your door and they've got COVID and they want to live there, you got to let them in. I don't know what they were thinking. I'm not sure why they did that. I don't know why the Cuomo administration, and this wasn't from one of the low-level guys. This isn't like... Cuomo had no idea some low-level guy or gal in the in the kind of medical side of the uh, health side of the administration made some call here. No, this came from Andrew Cuomo, and he dictated. Now, you go back a handful of months before all this blew up, and Cuomo was the darling. You know, last year, 2020, he had Trump in office, corona hits. You know, Trump is out there every day doing his little song and dance, doing the public, you know, the public uh, press briefing, getting out there, trying to tell people about Corona and so on. And initially, you know, the networks, they were loving it. They were loving it. And then they quickly sour because they realized, well, we're giving Trump too much airtime. We're giving him credibility. They were casting about looking for someone else that they could lift up. And there was Andrew Cuomo also doing his executive briefings every day. And, oh, they loved the Cuomo briefings. There he was. He had charts and maps 
He had his team around him, and he, well, Andrew Cuomo just really leading us forward. And, you know, New York, wow, we got hit. I live in New York, if you don't know, uh, fair listener. But New York got hit pretty hard, pretty darn hard. And uh, we were kind of the the tip of the spear, as it were. Uh, shout out to my boy, Dave Danglis. Uh, we were the tip of the spear on, uh, on this when it came to Corona hitting the shores of the U.S. I'm not saying we're the only place, but boy, did New York take it in the neck initially. And we were in the news, and there was Cuomo at the front leading the charge and letting people know he had everything under control. I mean, this guy, wow, Andrew freaking Cuomo. <laughs> he was the darling. And, pe- you know, the media and people were lifting Cuomo up like, this is real leadership. This is what we need in this country. This isn't no chump like Trump. No, this guy's leading. He's out front. He's coherent. He's calm, cool, collected. Oh, he's fighting this battle. Wow. This is America's governor, kids. Now, interestingly, this whole nursing home scandal, this didn't just get revealed. You can be forgiven if you're sitting there going, well, I didn't know about this until recently. I mean, this was on the books, as it were, you know, back in March. I don't know exactly, but it was, you know, early and and it was common knowledge if you had some type of a connection to the industry. And so I'd heard about it. I'd heard about this thing where nursing homes were being forced to take these folks in. And I was like, I can't believe it. How can the government, how can the governor, how can the state demand this? The the nursing home folks, the folks that are being cared for, the residents of these nursing homes are the most vulnerable. What are they thinking? It was just, it was just crazy to me. I just didn't understand it. And it, it made, you know, it got out there in the public. I mean, some of the news outlets like Fox News, of course, you know, conservative outlet, but they were trying to cover this thing. Nobody wanted to hear it. I mean, all that people wanted to know was that Trump would go away. <laughs> we just don't want Trump. So here we are, we're a year later, you know, it's March 2021, and Cuomo's gone from hero to zero. Hero to zero. I mean, his whole party has just turned against him. State, state lawmakers, uh, Democrats, and Republicans, of course. I mean, the Republicans are going to call for his head no matter what. The guy's abused his, his executive powers. He's been a bully. I mean, Cuomo, and if you know anything about New York state politics, Cuomo is known for being a bully. He's known for being a thug, a political thug, and not just with his political opponents across the aisle. You know, some of the bigger complaints, they're kind of whispered, but the bigger complaints come from the Democrats, the New York State Democrats, because Cuomo, he's not a team player. You're either for him or you're against him. There isn't the party. There isn't the state. It's it's Andrew Cuomo, this guy, and he's vindictive. I've heard from lobbyists in Albany. I've heard from people that Cuomo is highly vindictive. If you're a Democrat and you cross Andrew Cuomo, No, you can forget it. I mean, he will wreck you. He'll come for you. This guy doesn't take opposition lightly. He doesn't take anyone crossing him. Now, look, politics, tough sport. This is a blood sport, kids. And there's a lot on the line. You're the governor of New York State. You're you're a hitter. So I can understand people playing, you know, hardball here. Not surprising to me. But what you see with Andrew Cuomo is a guy who did not play for the team. He always played just for himself. And his way of managing was just to destroy all competition. He didn't, he didn't know how to work with other people. He didn't know how to compromise. He wasn't a statesman. You know, you get some of these elder statesmen, Republicans, Democrats, independents, whatever. 
they get into the Congress, they get into the Senate, but they're considered statesmen often because they know how to work with both sides. They can get in there and say, hey, yeah, my esteemed colleague from the other party, we have a lot that we disagree on, but we work together and we put together a bill that we think is good for the American people. I mean, that's a statesman. That's someone that can get in there and, and make it happen and get the other side involved on some level. Cuomo, not a statesman. He's a political thug. And so now you've got not only the Republicans kind of turning and calling for his head, you've got his own party. The, the New York State Attorney General, a Democrat, in his administration leading the charge against him. And you've got all these, so you've got state legislators and assemblymen and so on calling for him to resign. You have his attorney general calling for him to resign. The mayor of New York, Bill de Blasio, probably one of the, the goofiest uh, embarrassments of a mayor ever, also calling on Cuomo, Democrats, saying you got to resign. Now, Cuomo and de Blasio butted heads quite a bit, especially through COVID-19. So this is kind of, you know, you could interpret this as de Blasio's chances to, to stick the knife in, but this is a great example. I mean, you got two Democrats, New York City and, and Albany, and, you know, if de Blasio came out and said anything, Cuomo just cut his legs out from under him. They're like, nope, he's completely wrong. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He needs to keep his mouth shut. Thug. The thug. Cuomo's run the state this way for a long time, by the way. I remember when... Um, you know, he enacted legislation to legalize gay marriage in New York State. And he essentially came out and said, look, if you're a conservative, you have, if you have a problem with this, uh, we don't want you here. Literally said that. We don't want you in the state. You don't belong here. New York's not for you. Now, I understand kind of coming out and saying we're moving forward. We're progressing forward. We welcome all New Yorkers. We don't discriminate. I, I get that. I mean, I'm a conservative. I'm not for gay marriage. I look at marriage and say, look, it's been a thousand to, you know, 2000, uh, 5,000. It's millennia old human institution. It's always been a man and a woman to just cast that aside without a true public discussion, without thinking about the impact for children and so on. And what does marriage mean for society to just say, well, we're just, we've just decided, you know, without a real public debate, I have a problem with that. Cuomo just said, look, it's an edict. Just suck it up. There were no, there were no conservatives, you know, in the streets complaining. There was just discussion. It was just a societal discussion. This is what you're supposed to have when you start to make changes and think through things. You, you want to have discussions. You want a public debate. It should be rigorous. It should be, uh, you know, nice and nice and uh, hearty, a hearty debate. You, you know, there was no room for that. It's Cuomo's way or the highway. But you know, he comes out and says to a good portion of the citizens of his state, if you don't like it. We don't want you here. Well, excuse me. I, you love my tax money. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so now Cuomo's facing his own party and not just New York State politicians. We have uh, federal level politicians now. Schumer, Gillibrand. Uh, what's that? What's that? What's that fat guy? That little fat guy. Gosh, I can't stand that guy. Uh, I'm going to go blank now. I can see his face. But like all these congressmen and senators... Uh, at the federal level, calling for Andrew Cuomo to resign. Now, they're focusing on this not so much because of the nursing home scandal, but more because of the sexual abuse, sexual uh, harassment stuff. And not surprising. And what's interesting about all this and what I really want to talk about, uh, now that we've kind of covered this for a few minutes, is this idea of hero to zero. You know, Cuomo 
was vaunted as a hero. He was showing America what it meant, what it looked like to lead through a crisis. That's the narrative. As a matter of fact, he was even awarded an Emmy. He got an Emmy award for what? For his daily briefings. He got an Emmy award. That's just mind-blowing that you give a politician an Emmy award. And then he went out and published a book. He published a book on his leadership through the coronavirus crisis while it was still going on. That book, the book's been out for months now. I remember looking at this as a, you know, just as a marketing guy, as a PR kind of a branding, positioning, messaging guy, strategy person. I remember looking at him getting that Emmy and also coming out with his book and thinking, this is too soon, bro. This is before all the scandal hit. I mean, I knew about the nursing home debacle. I knew about his uh, refusal to take responsibility, but I just thought, you know what, that's not going to go anywhere. You got a Democrat uh, in office, you've got a Democrat Congress, you've got Democrat, the, Dem- the Democrat Party's ascendant in the country. There's some uh, bitter aftertaste with some of the Trump stuff. Um, a lot of frustrated Trump people, but they just didn't have, us Republicans didn't have power. And so I thought, well, they're not going to nail Cuomo to the wall. They, uh, he helped them unseat Trump. He helped with the way he ran his state, shutting it down, locking it down, making everybody struggle, making the pain happen. Uh, you know, and then on top of that, uh, he really just he just contributed to the Democrats' narrative that Trump screwed it up. And, and, and you know, and this was Cuomo's way of uh, you know helping the party out. I guess I don't know. But, you know, when I saw him get the Emmy, when I saw this book came out, come out, I thought, this is a bad move. You know, first of all, we're, we're not through Corona. It's not done, supposedly. Second of all, you have not liberalized uh, individual movement in the state. You have not allowed businesses to kind of get back to, into gear. You've got us still all on lockdown. You're still ruling with an iron fist. And at the same time, you're coming out with a book talking about your leadership skills. It's just too soon. It's too soon. And even with the Emmy, you know, a great man, a great woman, someone that's sensitive to the messaging, the optics and so on would have said, hey, I'm flattered. I'm flattered by this. This is an honor, but I cannot accept it because really it's the people of my state that I serve. I did this for them. I didn't do it for an award. I didn't do it for recognition. I did it to serve my people. And my people are the true heroes, the people of New York State, the great residents and citizens of New York, the healthcare workers, the firemen, you know, just go on with the, just I'm an apple pie. Come on. What are you thinking? I'd love to, I'm, I'm honored, but I can't in good conscience accept this. The greatest reward, the greatest recognition that I could ever receive is the support of the great people of the state of New York. I mean, how hard is that? Do you know how much political capital he would have got by showing just a little bit of humility? No, he was on that. Oh, he got an Emmy. He got an Emmy. And here's my book. And you're putting a book out there about your great leadership. Oh, my gosh. You know the scandal's there. You know you fudged the numbers. You know you lied about stuff. You know you, you, you juked them by uh, juked the numbers by misreporting and misclassifying stuff. Then you're, then you're not communicating. Then you're hiding certain numbers. 15,000 seniors died in nursing homes. 15,000 people not only died in nursing homes, but because of Governor Cuomo, weren't allowed to even be with their loved ones as they died. If your mother was in a nursing home and dying, you couldn't hold her hand 
as she breathed her last. You could not be with her because of Mario or sorry, Mario's the father. He's passed away because of Andrew Cuomo. And yeah, I'm beating up on Cuomo, but I want to, I want to, I want to punctuate a point here today. He was vaunted. He was held up as a hero. And how could a hero go from heroic to, to, to villain so quickly? Well, let me talk about that for just a moment. And I want to ask the question, what is a hero? What is a hero? I don't think we necessarily know. I, I think we think of a hero as somebody strong, somebody able to overcome some type of threat, somebody that through the force of their will and their savvy and their bravery can just overcome the bad guys, the evil, and fight you know, for the weak, for the, for the injustice, and make it all right. Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote an essay in 1841 called Heroism. And in it, he attempted to define what heroism is. What does it mean to be a hero? And it's a different concept than I think we're used to in modern times. Emerson made the argument that a hero is someone that is willing to live the truth regardless of the consequences. A hero is someone willing to live the truth regardless of the consequences. They are so committed to what is true and to what is right and to what is just that they're willing to live and act and do and think and speak according to that reality, even if it costs them personally, even if it costs them their liberty, their material well-being, or even their life. Now, interestingly, in 1841, when Emerson, I say wrote, published this essay, he was kind of decrying the current state of things. I mean, we think here 2021, you know, the 21st century that, oh, 1841, everybody was moral and upright and fantastic. I mean, so, oh, it's the old olden days. That's when everyone lived in black and white, right? <laughs> they must have been more virtuous than us. And I'm guessing maybe in some ways they were, but Emerson was complaining. He was like saying that we're so inured to our comfort and our pleasure. We want our safe, little, pleasant, happy, contented lives that we're not willing to be heroic. We're not willing to stand up for the truth. We're not willing to live according to the truth. We make compromises. We avoid conflicts. We try to do things so that we can just enjoy our life. This was in 1841, and he was worried. He thought, if we don't learn how to live by the truth, if we're not willing to sacrifice for the truth, then our society, well, it won't endure. So Emerson's kind of definition, this idea of a, a hero or, or heroism, is this, is this willingness to live the truth regardless of the consequences. It's archaic to us. I mean, it's noble. I think we hear it and we get it. Okay, that's interesting, but it's archaic. Today, a hero is something different. We've lost our virtues. We've kind of cast them out. And I'm not, I'm not trying to like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Nothing's ever good enough. But if you look at postmodernism, there is no truth anymore. We don't believe anything to be objectively and necessarily true 
my truth is not your truth. Your truth is not somebody else's truth. We all make our own truth. We all find our own happiness. We all have to be true to ourselves. We have to find our own truth. I was watching YouTube the other day and some, they were acting, asking an actress, I think it was Rosamund Pike, actually, something about how does, you know, how does she know when, an, when a, a, a role is right for her and how does she blah, blah, blah. And her whole thing about being successful as an actress was, you know, you have to be true to yourself. You have to find your own truth. You have to discover your own truth and then just be, just be true to that thing. It was just so, uh, so new agey. It was like, okay, dude. Whatever, dude. <laughs> Find your truth, Rosamond. And she's fun. I, I saw her in a movie recently called um, I Care A Lot. And it was fantastic. It was a great movie. I respect her as an actress. Uh, she played a great kind of heroic villain, if you will. But getting back to heroism, you know, we don't have what we would agree is truth. So today you could say, well, yeah, to be a hero, you've got to fight for your truth. You've got to find your truth and fight for it. That's heroic. But see, that's not what Emerson was saying. Emerson lived in a world that believed that there was objective and necessary truth. There was truth outside of us. There were things that were true and real and just and good. And those things were worthy of our sacrifice, even our lives at times. And so you would live for something outside of yourself. You would, you would sacrifice for something outside of yourself, not just anything. You know, the romantics, the swooners, they, they, they would live for something outside themselves. It would be the female, the feminine. They'll, they'll, you know, sing songs outside the castle, you know, window and climb uh, the wall to, to find their lover and to find love, et cetera. That whole period was just besotten. Bes uh, I don't know if, that's, if I've said that right, but it was just taken by this idea of romance. And so you would live for the other, but the other was a person. The male or female, the, the, the object of your desire, the object of your love. That's not necessarily truth, but they're just saying, oh, I can find truth in that. I can self-actualize through that. <laughs> but Emerson was digging deeper than that. He was going further back. He was saying there is necessary and objective truth. There are things that are real and true and good, and they are worthy of our attention. They are worthy of our commitment, of our action. So we are sitting here today in a world that does not believe in objective and necessary truth. We don't believe in, a, in necessary good. We're just kind of all trying to find our own truth. So when you have a world that is devoid of those things, when you can't find them and we can't agree on them, then well, how do you live for them? And in doing this, we've removed the mediating institutions. We've removed marriage and the family. We've removed faith and religion. We've deconstructed all these things and made them in our own image. Education, arts, culture, politics, family, etc. All these things, we, we've stripped away the transcendent. There isn't anything outside of us that we believe to be real or true. We are it. And so in that kind of world, you can't have the kind of heroism that Emerson talks about. All that's left is power. All that's left is strength. It's prevailing over your enemy. The hero for the modern age is the, is the brute strength, the kind of the, the truly toxic masculinity, not the masculinity that lays its life down for someone else, for a higher idea, for something that's true and good. 
but but uses its power and its strength to overcome, to prevail, to dominate. Now, you know, I'm no social justice warrior. When I say dominate, I'm not talking about, oh, the poor oppressed. But, but look at our entertainment. Look at John Wick. You know, and this is not, this isn't brand new. I mean, this is kind of hero, you know, diehard, all these. It's like, if you can use your physical and your mental strength against your enemy and to, and to overcome them through violence of some sort, you are the hero. To be heroic is to be powerful and to use that power in the real world to right some kind of wrong. And the wrong, you know, in the John Wick, they killed my dog. Now, look, I've got a dog. I love my dog. Heaven help you if you hurt my dog. People have come into my house. They don't like my dog. I don't like those people. How's that? I love my dog. But to have a three-movie series on a man that goes on a murder spree, holy smokes. And John Wick is fun. Don't get me wrong. I'm a man. I love seeing that kind of stuff. I love seeing some guy take out, you know, a room of 10 people with, uh, with a paper clip. There's something beautiful about that. There's a great uh, Denzel Washington plays a character. I want to say the movie's called The Equalizer, and I think there's an Equalizer too, but I remember seeing The Equalizer, and he was just kind of almost an idiot savant. He wasn't an idiot savant, but he had this kind of very strange approach. Like he'd, he'd get into a room, he'd be surrounded by a bunch of bad guys. He was just very matter-of-fact and process-oriented, kind of a nerd. But he was a nerd killer. He'd take his digital watch, he'd click the timer, and he'd mumble a time to him, oh, 19, 19 uh, seconds. He'd tell himself, meaning I'm going to wipe these guys out in 19 seconds. He starts his timer. He, he mows through the room, stops his timer. He's like, 21 seconds. Like, oh, got to work on my time. <laughs> it's just like amazing. But he's, all, you know, this, he's this character, this heroic, by modern terms, heroic character, taking out the bad guys by force. Now, I don't think that Emerson was saying that force is bad. I, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the hero cannot use force. You go back all the way into the Old Testament, Job and some of these other books, uh, the prophets. I mean, you know, God talks about the just man, the righteous man fighting for uh, those that can't defend themselves, the widows, the orphans, you know, ripping the jaws of the violent and the wicked and the evil and break, you know, breaking their arms and so on. There's, there's violence in there. It's not, I'm not saying that, oh, that's so bad and we should all just be a bunch of wimps. But what Emerson is talking about is this willingness to give one's life for what's true, to not consider the cost to one. That's heroic because something is worthy of us. And in today's world, we're stuck with this kind of just raw power. It's not a higher ideal. It's not a commitment to the truth. It's just a matter of power, overcoming one's adversaries. That's heroic. And that's appealing. I get that. There's just a general appeal. And, and that's not evil, that appeal. But, but this is what you get when you get strength unrooted and unmoored from truth. You just get pure violence. Now, if we look at Cuomo, this is a guy who applied political violence, aggressiveness, hostility, and so on uh, to those around him for power. Now, does that mean that he is a modern hero? No, 
No, I think Cuomo's issue is he's kind of the mix of the, mo the modern hero and the celebrity. You see, a true hero is someone that is heroic for what they've done. They've done something special. They've accomplished something. They've overcome some great evil. They've overcome some great odds at great sacrifice. They put themselves out there. They've sacrificed and through that sacrifice and they've risked everything. Maybe it even cost them something in the process, but somehow they made a difference. And what Cuomo did is he ex he exhibited and, and uh, applied that, that kind of political violence, his thuggery, if you will. And he used his office as a bully. And he, he latched on to celebrity, meaning the media made him. This was a pseudo event for him to get up there every day in front of the camera and hold his briefing and give everybody an update. This was a pseudo event. This was a made up event made specifically for TV, made specifically for the media to be broadcast, to be promoted and reshared all over the place to bolster what? To bolster his image. And he was convenient at the time for the needs. There was a party, there was a group of people in our country looking for an image that they can anchor, and he was that image. But the problem with celebrity is that it, that they can make you. I mean, he was made overnight. I mean, we've known about Andrew Cuomo. I mean, you live in America, you know about Andrew Cuomo, but it's not like he was a hero. It's not like he was on the news all the time. I mean, Cuomo was not at the top of anyone's mind for years now, but all of a sudden he's a hero. He's really become a celebrity overnight. And if they make you overnight, they can unmake you just as quickly. And because Cuomo has lived his life, not to truth, not to what is true, but, but, but through strength and power, there's no depth. He's got nothing to stand on. Now, he's a political savvy animal, and he's going to try to survive, and it's possible he will survive. I don't think so, but I, you know, look, he's tough and this guy is a survivor, so it's possible he'll survive. But I think he's fallen afoul of this idea, this, this, you know, broken idea of the hero, that the hero is just powerful and they made him a celebrity and you can unmake a celebrity, you, you know, a celebrity, according to Daniel uh, Borston is someone who's well known for their well-knownness. That's a celebrity. They're not heroic. They haven't done anything special. All these actors and actresses and, you know, high, high profile figures, they haven't done anything special. Yeah, they've been fortunate or maybe they got uh, recognized in their craft. You know, they did really well. They've been in some movies. But essentially, we, we were interested in these people because they're well known. They're, they're high profile. They haven't laid their lives down for anybody. They pretend on a screen. <laughs> And so Andrew Cuomo, he got well-known for being well-known. They lifted him up. But I think his, his brand of heroism is his, is, doing, is his undoing. Because as soon as they lifted him up, they can just as easily tear him down. And that's what's going on right now. I think for us, if it's me, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, Emerson's definition of the hero. And how does that line up? How does my life line up with that? What do I do? Uh, day to day? Do I live in a way that's heroic? I don't care if anybody knows about it. I'm not interested in being a celebrity. Do I live for the truth? Am I willing to put myself out there? Am I willing to risk things because of what I know or believe to be true? 
And I think that starts on a small level. I don't think that one day you wake up and do a great heroic thing. I think it's really a matter of cultivating a practice of living the truth. And that's in the moments, the day-to-day, the small minutes, the, the minutia, the, the monotony of life. That's where we cultivate the strength to be someone remarkable, whether anyone ever notices or not. I hope this is interesting. I hope this is useful. I hope this is even inspiring to you. Uh, I'm kind of interested to watch how this plays out and see what happens with Tacuomo. I'm not one that likes to celebrate other people's destruction, quite frankly. I have to say, as a citizen, as a resident of New York State, I'm glad to see him have his wings clipped. I'd like to see, you know, it's been over a year now that he's had this executive power, this extra constitutional power to do whatever he wants in the state. I'm glad to see that taken away. And I'm not too sad to see his wings get clipped and for him to take responsibility for what he's done. You see, even that would be heroic. Even if he were to stand up and say, you know what? I did do uh, poorly when it came to the nursing homes. I made a mistake. Uh, I I made the wrong call and I need to take responsibility for that. See, even that is heroic. It's not... It's not wrong to make mistakes. I mean, it's terrible. 15,000 people dead. And it's a big mistake. And maybe his legal counsel saying you can't admit that because otherwise you'll end up in prison. I don't know. Or you'll have civil suits on your hand that you just can't ever get out from under. I don't know what the story is with that. But I can say to be heroic is to say I did wrong. And I'll take responsibility for that no matter what the cost. That would be heroic. And we don't expect that from our politicians anymore. But wouldn't that be refreshing? Wouldn't that be remarkable? I would actually respect the man. He's, I, I can't stand him as a governor. I never liked him. I don't like the way he governs. He's, he disrespects the very people he's supposed to serve, in my opinion and in my experience. But if he were to do that, I would, I would change my view 100%. I'd say, now there's a mensch. There's a real man. He stood up and he took his licks. How can you not respect that? Unfortunately, that's not what we're going to see from Andrew Cuomo. And that's not really the MO that we typically see in our society these days. But I know my listeners, my listeners, they want the heroic. I know you guys love the truth. And so thank you. Thanks for being a listener. Thanks for joining me for this little conversation. I love you guys. And I'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you.